Jeannie and Felix Dupuis. This was your second set of foster parents? Yeah, the, the children, they, they, uh, they wouldn't be, I guess they're called foster parents because they'd be paid by the children's aid, you know? And I mean, those were hard times, like people would take uh, kids in, and but it seemed like uh, I call her grandma. It wasn't my grandma, but uh, I call her grandma. But she seemed to really like bringing kids in. And about the same time Vincent uh, came in, and Michael, and at there, and I can remember Michael, he was a little boy and a baby, and he'd, he'd jump up on the couch and he'd have a bottle in his hand and uh, put his arm around great-grandpa. That's Felix, you know. And they were just, they just were good with kids. And that's where I seemed to do well, was after I went there. How many kids did, this would be my great-grandma, how many kids did great-grandma have and what was it, what was your thoughts when you went to their house right away? Well, it was uh, in the summer and uh, they gave me a salad and uh, out of the, the bit of a garden there for some, and uh, I thought that's great because I can't remember having a salad before I went there. I was 12, and uh, I guess in today's standards, um, it wouldn't be considered a great meal, but to me it seemed like a great meal, and, and I guess it was given in such a way that, uh, that I thought it was great. She had, uh, she had a big soup on, and uh, well at the time I was alone, and then the other two came, and then they they got moved away, and then. How many other kids? How many kids did Great Grandma have altogether? She had ten of her own, <coughs> but they were all away except uh, uh, Jack would come back every now and then, and he was about six years older than I was, and uh, well, sometimes I'd get out of line. He'd try to kick bass, but he couldn't catch me. So what did you do at Great Grandma's uh, house? Well, I'd, I'd help on the farm and uh, just uh, help, like help cut the hay with the sigh, learn how to do that. And I'd bring in the wood and the water from the well. And uh, But I couldn't milk a cow to save my hide. There was just no way. But uh, I remember uh, Great Grandpa cleaning the manure out of the... And it was in the summer and it was green. and. I tried to do it, and I would get sick, and and he'd tell me not to do it, and I was so bullheaded. It took me about two weeks before I got over it, but I managed to to get over getting sick, and then I I felt pretty proud of myself. I was able to shovel the barn out, you know, but uh, he wouldn't insist that I would do it because I would just bring up like I had a weak stomach for that. But uh, after I got over, I was able to do it. And fond memories of great-grandma, you called her grandma, and then your fond memories of great-grandpa. Well, what, uh, I liked when we went in the bush and we cut, uh, you know, cut trees down and uh, and then make firewood and, and, uh, and then just general duties on the farm. Uh, and then he had a, a workshop 
and I just loved to get in there and but it was, I know I got really under his skin because I'd get into his tools and and he was pretty particular about his tools he was a carpenter and uh, and uh, it seemed like the tools that you look at that he had now they were handmade but they were very done very meticulously you know like, and uh, then I helped him build boats had the lumber uh, Tom would bring lumber from Tomogamy a mill there It'd be white pine and red pine and and I'd plane them down and we'd put oak them between the boards and build these wooden boats and he used to sell them, you know? And that's where you sell the, the boats for? I got no idea what you would get from. So you lived there when you were 12 and you stayed there uh, until when? Well, I was 13, 14 and I'd go to high school in North Bay and live at different homes and then in the summer I'd go right back to the farm. I'd move myself in. I'd just tell them I'm coming and they didn't say no, and uh, I really never gave them a chance. I just moved in with them. And what are your fond memories of great-grandma? Well, she loved blueberry picking, and we'd go pick blueberries. And, and uh, one time she fell and broke her arm, and I thought it was so swollen, and I said, you got to do something about it. you got to go to the hospital. And she didn't want to go, and she stayed at home for more than a day. Like that, and then finally she went in. Yeah, it was broken, and she had to have a cast on. But we were back on what they call Chausse's farm next door, and then it was hilly, rocky country, but that's where the blueberries were. And uh, different things like that. And uh, did she have? Was she good to talk with you? Oh, we talked all the time. When she would do the dishes, I'd dry, I'd do the drying when she was washing and. We gabbed all the time and and uh, got her to teach me how to play cribbage and different card games and I guess I must have been uh, a nuisance to her in some ways, but she tolerated me and more or less I, I would ask her to. I asked her a lot of questions about all kinds of things, where she lived and where she was and what it was like in her days and we talked about everything. What was uh, what was their marriage like, great grandma, great grandpa? Well, from what I could see, it, they had a, a great reunion. But uh, great grandpa at that time, he was sick. I could tell he was sick for quite a while. It turned out it was cancer, and uh, I remember I'd go work with him in the bush, and he'd sit there and he'd double over, but and he'd smoke a cigarette, you know, roll your own. And, and uh, but you could tell he was in a lot of pain, but he never complained. Never heard of him. What was his cancer? Do you think? It was in the stomach. So he'd be prostrate and, and things like that. So he'd just double over in pain. He'd, he'd lean forward to ease it, and then more or less all he'd eat is uh, curdled milk with brown sugar on it, and that seemed to give him relief. I can remember that. So, uh, did he not take you hunting at all? Oh, yes, he brought me hunting. We went for deer hunting, and uh, he figured I always made too much noise in the bush, and so he taught me to be quieter, you know, be more aware of things around, you know. So he taught deer hunting, and what about rabbit hunting? Oh, rabbit hunting, I did that myself because they let me use the 22 when I was, when I went there, I was 13, and 
Every day he'd come from school and he had three hounds, Major, Kruger, and Bessie. And uh, I would feed them rabbits. I, I think I got over 300 rabbits in the winter. There was lots of rabbits in those days. They were everywhere. I'd see two or three, spot two or three coming from school, and I'd go back with the 22 and get them. And so what would, what would the rabbits do? Why people would hunt rabbits? Well, in that time, uh, it was a good source of meat because uh, uh, there was a lot, of a lot of people that didn't have work. And I know Grandpa, sometimes he used to work at the mill at Smith's Mill, and it was a long walk, and he had to walk from the farm. This was before I got there, though, but he used to walk there all the way to Smith's Mill and Calder, and that was way on the other side of Calder, and do that all the time. He never had a vehicle. It was, uh, so that so rabbit was to feed juice. Oh, we we rabbit and we give it to the dogs and feed the dogs too. And of course, you couldn't. There was no gibbles and stuff like that for dogs. And like pet food was almost unheard of, you know. And so, uh, what about great grandma? She was at home all the time, though. I guess they, but she was a teacher at one time. Yeah, she was a teacher, and she was very well read. Like she always read books, novels. I got into one of her novels one time, and, uh, but it was uh, more of an adult type novel, and she was uh, very upset. And I think it was called the Lascivious Bishop. <laughs> what would she say to you? Well, she got very upset. I, read, I was reading it, and once she got into it. Uh, and then I says, Grandma, how, how come you read it? Well, that's just for grown-up people. And I said, okay. So I let it go with that. And, but she was always reading, like, top-notch books, and she was well-versed in English and French, one or the other. And and she used to run the polls all the time, you know, like for voting. And if a person gave their name, she just seemed to know how to spell her name. It didn't matter if they were Greek, Italian, or whatever. So she was a good influence on your life? I'd say she was, yeah. So during the winter, you'd go to North Bay and live in foster homes all and go to school? I'd go to school, yeah. North what were the other foster homes like? Well, a lot of them were kind of, they were hard put, and they needed the extra money, you know, that was coming in for them. And they weren't very rich, you could tell. I lived at Lalone's on, on Duke Street and... Uh, Vyettes on Timmins Street, and, and I lived at Big Grandma's sister's place on Lurie Avenue. Which uh, sister was that? Uh, Rose. It was, her name was Rose, and but I did not like her. Her daughter very good. She was she was a lab technician. She was smart, but she she wasn't very nice with me. But. Uh, and Rose, she was laid back, sort of quiet, easy going, you know. She was all right. What high school did you go to then? North Bay Collegiate Institute and Vocational School. And what did you take, or what was your favorite subjects? Well, I was taking all the shops. It was, it was electrical and, and uh, auto mechanics and machinists and... Uh, and electrical. And what were 
your marks like? I got real good marks in high school. I got, I got passed, I passed without uh, having to write final exams. And that was all through your high school? All through high school. And how did you feel? How could you do that when you were living in foster homes and you went to school? Well, this is the thing. Uh, I don't know. I, it might have been because uh, the way it was right from the beginning. Because uh, I had to do part-time jobs all the time. And I, I worked at Dr. McIntyre's office. He was a dentist. How old were you when you were working at these part-time jobs? Like 14, 15, 7, all the way up to 17, 18 years old. And uh, you worked at Dr. McIntyre's office. Yeah. Doing what? I uh, clean. I, I was cleaning up, and then, uh, but also he was teaching me to do the finishing touches on false teeth, and like the uh, grinding. And uh, there was this other guy, a dental mechanic. There, he thought I was doing quite good at it, and that I should take that as a line of work. You know. Little did I realize that that was a very high-paying job. This guy would only work about six months and take the rest of the time off in the year, you know. And, back, and this is back in, you know, the uh, late 40s, you know. He was making big-time money, I guess. And that was Dr. McIntyre was a dentist then? Yeah. And where else did you work as part-time jobs? Didn't you I worked have three at Fosdick's, jobs? Yeah, I worked at Fosdick's bookstore. Three jobs at once? Yeah. Where I'd fill in and, and I'd go work at the, the fire department. What did you do at Fosdick's and what did you do at the fire department? The fire department sometimes it was more or less uh, light cleanup duties or set up PA systems and stuff like that. For different, you know, little odd jobs. It wasn't very often I had to go there, but. Uh, but at Fosdick's bookstores, I'd rearrange Bill's shelves and uh, arrange all his Dalhousie papers and and uh, just more or less cart things in and out. And but uh, I can still remember his basement in that store. He had dishes and 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 glasses there. To me, they were worth a fortune. There was nothing ever done with it. Why would he have dishes and glasses in the bottom of a bookstore? I guess this is what they sold at one time, and he had lots of it. And if you looked at it in this day and time, they seemed like very expensive dishes. And they were, like, I just marvel at the, the cutlery that was there, you know? So I was always careful when I worked down there and, and rearranged stuff, you know? Too, um, weren't you friends with the Fosdick's daughters? Well, yeah, they were all older than me. Like Ruth, she was quite a bit older than me, and, and Joyce. And Joyce, she was a kind of amazing person. Like all these children's books, she knew them all by heart, every one of them. And she could recite anything out of any book. And they'd invite me up to their uh, cottage on the lakeshore, and I'd go sailing with, with Joyce. Got wrapped in the head a few times with that boom of the sail coming zipping by, you know. It was a sailboat, you know. But it was really, they were really good to me like that. And so, um, weren't you a good athlete when you were in high school too? Well, I was pretty good. The only thing is I couldn't do very much because of the jobs I had. 
but when I get into them, even though I didn't practice, I'd I'd uh, I'd do the, a lot of the other guys like in discus throwing or pole vaulting and things like that. In fact, I set a school record in pole vaulting. Oh, what year was that? I think it was about 1951, 50 or 51. Do you remember how far uh, high you jumped with the pole vault? I think it was 14 feet and some inches. Did you go? It backwards up for well, pole vaulting. Oh, 14 feet you threw high. it. High. Oh. That's how high I jumped for the pole. Wow. And uh, I was the only guy that really gave me a hard time was a guy that come from, had come back from the army, and his name was Leo Kirvin. And but he was in good shape there, and it was really nip and tuck. But I sort of edged him out. But it was tough because he, you know, he was in such good shape. But I guess I got in good shape by at the farm because I liked to work and didn't think nothing of cutting wood. And and I always was always jumping every fence around there with a pole anyway. And so it wasn't as if it was new to me. So when I was in the farm, I'd pole vault over this or over that. What did great grandma and great grandpa say? I never paid it no attention. I just did my thing and yeah. yeah. Um, didn't you play hockey with Tim Horton? Yeah. Well, Can you was, tell uh, us about that? Yeah, well, that's when uh, when I was going. To, I started in high school, and what they had, what they call the Fisher Street Crew, and Tim Horton was there, and uh, what's the other one? He went with Chicago Blackhawks. Ken Warm. Ken Warm. We used to play. I could, I could outskate or uh, Tim Horton, but not Ken Warm. He was too fast. He was, he was really fast. But we were just a young bunch of guys. But Tim Horton, he was a bull. <laughs> he, he just soon hit you as play hockey. You know. But we had a good time. That's the way kids were, you know, like the. He played, but they had a lot better equipment to work with than I did. I didn't, uh, sometimes I have to shove a sock in the end of my skate so I would fit tighter. And <laughs> oh, where would you get your skates from? Lord knows where they come from. This one would lend me this, or I'd get a board from somebody here or there, you know. Do you, um, when you were living in North Bay and going to high school, is that when you um, saw Aunt Jeanette on the street one time? But, uh, I saw her, I guess I was only about, uh, I forget what age it was I saw her, but they were walking down McIntyre Street, and uh, Jeanette, and Mr. and Mrs. Stone, and Jeanette and uh, Ernie, she had changed his name from Roger to Ernie, you know, but uh, of course, I didn't know that at the time, and I'd say Ernie, you know, but he was a little little guy, but he, Jeanette was pulling a wagon or something, and Ernie was sitting in it, you know, and they were walking down the street, and then uh, as soon as I saw Jeanette, I sort of, I recognized her. And it was like quite a few years after, like since I'd seen her, you know. Could be several, six, seven years, you know. But it wasn't that long that I, you know. And then when I said, Jeanette, and I ran up, and I said, Ernie, and 
Well, I guess the Stones were quite surprised because they didn't know there was that I existed. Jones Aid probably didn't tell them. And so what did they say? Well, I guess they were kind of upset. They, they couldn't, they were just, they were just, um, they'd look around and they looked at each other, I can remember that, and they were sort of startled, you know. And I guess, I don't know why, because I'm sure Jeanette must have said, well, I wonder where my brother is or something through time, and probably they just maybe discounted it as nothing, you know. But I know it was a short time after that they thought maybe they could adopt me, but I wasn't having nobody adopt me. Uh, okay, so at that incident when you said you saw your brother and sister again, what did the Stones say to you? Did they talk to you? Or? Oh yeah, who are you? And, and I said, I'm Richard, and that's my sister, and that's my brother. And Of course, I assumed it was my brother because he changed so much, you know, like in, in that time period, you know. And uh, why I can't understand though to this day why he been in the wagon. I don't know. You know, it's just maybe they're going to haul something with it, and one would take turns pulling the other. I don't know. But uh, anyways, uh, I got to know where they were. But until I went out to the farm, I never really got back to see them. But I searched it out, and then I I talked to this one and that one, and found out where they lived. But they never told me where they lived. So, did um, Mr. Stone give you some money to buy an ice cream? Oh, I don't remember that. It did probably, it just slipped my mind. Now. Yeah, I thought you had mentioned that one time, at that time he went to his truck and did he give you some money to go and buy an ice cream? I, I don't know. Oh, I, I can't remember. remember. That stuck with me that he... Yeah. You might have done that. You might have, but uh, I can't remember. Right now. <laughs> so they wanted to adopt you, but didn't uh, Mr. Stone get sick? This, this happened behind the scenes, and then it was mentioned to me, and uh, like I was pretty headstrong, I guess, and I said, nobody's going to adopt me. I'm my own self, and nobody's going to claim me for nothing, you know, like, and I wouldn't have nothing to do with it. Of course, I'm up in age by this time, you know, a bit more, and when you're about 14 or so, you know, that's, that's enough, you know, and, uh, no, I, I was living from here to there, and then, like, even when I went to North Bay, I even lived with my Aunt Jackie for a while, you know. And Aunt Jackie is who now? My dad's sister. And she lived in North Bay? Yeah, on Regina Street, close to Nanny's place. So you lived at her house for a short while while you're going to high school? Yep. So how many homes did you live in altogether? We know about the Burns and then Dupuis, but the other foster homes through high school? Well, it was Vyak and Lalones and uh, my Jackie DeVoe, and, uh, and then there was Rose Vancouver, and then and then there was uh, Aunt uh, uh, Great Grandma's other sister on uh, what street is that? It's the one before McIntyre. No. Yeah, I, I probably. Uh, 
about that. I just forget it now. But uh, I, I stayed there for a while too, and and uh, that was Ganyu's. You know, she married a Ganyu. He was a policeman at one time, but he died before I got there. But, uh, and then I lived at, across the street at Ruiz also, from their place. You lived almost seven houses you lived in? Close to a dozen places I lived Oh, a dozen places. Yeah. How did you feel going from one house to another house? To it didn't bother me. It was a place to go, you know. And some of them were good cooks. Some of them were lousy cooks, and like Mrs. Reese. Oh, my God. She could get a good steak and ruin it. <laughs> you know, like... Uh, and some of them, they like terrible their their method of food you know and then I lived at Corbeals on just off John Street and on McIntyre I guess or 2nd Avenue so this was all during the school year and then in the summer you would always go back to to great grandma's great grandma's house mm -hmm. and then what did you do for the summer there you would help around the farm oh yeah I'd go out and cut wood and he I'd go out in the bush and he'd think I wasn't doing nothing until he come there one time and I had about 24 cords cut, all sawn up and, and cordwood like He thought I was just cutting the trees and dropping them, but I'd cut them up into stovewood length size and pile them up. And then of course then he'd get Uncle Oliver, his, his uh, brother, to come with a team of horses and they'd haul the, the wood in, you know. And uh, Uncle Oliver, that's great grandpa's brother, and then he had John, Eli, and Paul. They were on the other farm just beside them. What did um, their their kids think of great grandma, like uh, and great grandpa taking in foster children? I some of them really hated it. Some of them really didn't like it at all. And uh, I remember, you know, like Tibo's. When you could tell that she did not like it very much, but she had to tolerate because Grandma would—it's my life, you know—leave me do it. And it's the same with Ted and Yvette. But uh, Yvette, she was always trying to teach me a little bit better in French. Eh? But she had uh, a real gift for knowing, uh, you know, the French real good and and the literature and everything, you know. But I never got very far. <laughs> Um, who were you closest to as far as great-grandma's uh, kids? Jack. Jack, to me, was like a little brother, or brother with me. Later on, we'd talk about all kinds of things. I'd get into some jackpots, and he'd tell me how to get out of them, you know. What kind of jackpots would you get oh, into? Oh, well, it'd sometimes be some girls that give me a hard time, you know, and, and they'd, uh, or guys, it didn't matter, and he'd say how to deal with it, you know do this, tell him to, well, as he said, just tell him to F off. <laughs> <laughs> but so it, didn't, it didn't sit well with me, but it works sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, then as far as, uh, when did you, what did you think of um, uh, the great-grandma's daughter which would be uh, my nanny, Lynn Millette. And then her husband, Poppy, which would be Slim Millette, Raphael, yeah. and then their kids, Sue and, 
Well, actually, they, we, we saw them a lot because uh, Raphael, which is Slim, they call, and Nanny, they'd come to visit a lot at the farm, and then that's when Mum would come there. And of course, you know, there wasn't that much difference in our age, and I really took a shine to her, you know, and it was puppy love then, you know. And then, of course, uh, well, uh, a few years, quite a few years went by, and then, like, we lost touch, and then, I guess, it was a wedding took place, uh, and, well, when my, uh, when my sister got married, and then that's, she got invited to the wedding, and then they kind of kept in contact with each other for a while. So, Antoinette got married and invited you, yeah. found you. Where were you living at the time? Well, I was I was uh, working at the time for Hydro. Oh, and then you met uh, you saw Sue again, which is mom, yeah at that time at the wedding. Yeah. And but you had known her since she was about how old? Well, I guess you're uh, twelve when you went to Great Grandma. She was about ten. Ten. So you've yeah. known her since she was about ten. Ten or eleven or in that area, oh, closer okay. to eleven, I guess. So you more or less you would be at great grandma's uh, every summer, and then you finished high school. What happened after high school? What what well, happened I, next? I uh, went to work for Pittman's Motors in North Bay. Mm -hmm. That was a work, working on vehicles, and uh, but then uh, they were giving you sort of Joe jobs and. I wanted to work like tearing motors apart and the things I was trained for, you know. And they were doing it and I gave them an ultimatum and I says, uh, either next month give me the job that I was trained for or uh, I was leaving, you know. Well, I guess they, they didn't and uh, so I just up and left. But in the meantime, I had applied for a job with the Atomic Energy in Chalk River. It was just starting up pretty well then and uh, one for Ontario Hydro and then I went to Montreal to see my dad. And then what, why did you go to Montreal to see your dad? Well, I had just left my job but at least I had a few bucks and uh, I could I could pay my way, you know. And uh, But he wanted me to stay in, in Montreal but I didn't like his lifestyle. What was his lifestyle? Well, you work at a club and you work till wee hours of the morning and you sleep all day and then you're up all night again. And it just wasn't my cup of tea. But in the meantime, while I was there, I got an answer from Hydro and Atomic Energy and I was, accept I was accepted at both. Okay, um, before we go to that, what did you, what did you talk to your dad about when you went to Montreal? Did you talk about why he left or what happened? No, I never talked about anything like that. Why? Well, I just, we just talked about the things that were at hand and the life as it was and a couple of times he, he tried to bring up some things there and it would sort of upset me. Um, like, I don't know if he was trying to make an excuse for himself or my mother, and I said, well, I'd say, well, she's not here to def defend herself. And uh, I said, I don't need to know that. I said, uh, I know that you're, li you're alive and you're my dad, and 
my mom's alive and she's my mother and that's enough, you know. Did he say he was out in the woods logging? Oh yes, he, he said things like that and uh, what are you going to do when you come home, your mom is not there and of course about uh, you going to see your dad in Montreal. How old were you then and uh, how long did you stay with him? I was about uh, I left Pittman's Motors in North Bay because I didn't like the job because they wouldn't and then when I went to see him in Montreal I spent a couple of months with him and and I was about uh, Going on 19. I was going on 19, 18, 19. Okay. And, uh, but I figured that wasn't the life for me. And then I got a notification that, that I was accepted at the Atomic Energy and Ontario Hydro. But in the meantime, another fellow I was in the shelter with was Ted Dunn. And uh, he'd applied for Atomic Energy. He got accepted there, but he didn't get accepted at Hydro. So um, he says, well, yeah, you know, we decide which one are you going to go work with? He said, well, he'll go with Atomic Energy. And I said, well, I'll go with Ontario Hydro. So we had our parting of the ways because uh, uh, we were both in the shelter for quite a while and we got to know each other because for a while we both lived at La Lone's on Duke Street. Oh, so then you left Montreal, so did you? Uh, no, I started for working with Ontario Hydro. Didn't you work for CP Rail for a while? I was in the summer when I was at the farm. I applied and got a job on the CP, installing block signals from just outside of Sudbury at Rumford, right through to Friends, not far from the Scriber. And uh, we're installing all these block signals. That's to tell the trains if there's one ahead of them or whatever, the lights come on. And we're yeah, and then there was about nine fellows on our crew that worked there, and there was seven of them, their names started with Jack. Jack Wally, Jack Sherry, and the other one I called Squits and Flegel, and, but they all started with Jack. So, and it was a couple from uh, one Newfian, and he was Jack of all things, and uh, another one from Nova Scotia called a Herring Choker, and Blue Noser, you know. But they couldn't climb pole worth of iron. They, they they were scared, I guess, and they were hugging the pole too close, and their spurs would kick out, and they'd slide down the pole and, and get slivers and creosote in their arms and their legs, and they'd be moaning, groaning for days after. Can you jump back to um, when you 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 talked about when you were younger, and then you moved to great grandma's. Grandma, great grandma Dupuis, but you, after you, you had a, she, she removed you from the school in Corbeil. You went to the school, elementary school in Calendar. Can you talk about uh, a few of your teachers there? Uh, your teacher, Mr. Dunlop, and then your high school teacher, Mr. Pagengar. Pagengar. You know, uh, well, when I was in the on the farm, sometimes in the summer I get a a job there, I don't know if I mentioned earlier, about uh, walking cross country from behind Uncle Oliver's place 
like that's great grandma Dupuis brother-in-law yeah. and I'd walk across the farm and I'd go and work at the Dion Quince and I was about maybe 16 years old 15 16 at that time and so I get all kinds of little jobs in the summer like that and, and uh, did you see the Dion's? Oh, and I got to know them, and I knew them all by name. And, uh, and uh, two also, the Dion's used to go where my brother and sister were at Stone's on the, on the farm there. Every Thanksgiving they went and they took big pictures, big, big glossy pictures of the Dion's pretending they're chopping the head off a turkey and, and things like that. And, but they always made it a point there every Thanksgiving to go to the stones where my brother and sister were mm -hmm. all the time. And, and Mr. Dunlop in Calendar? Uh, well, when I went to school in Calendar, I had, uh, I forget the name of the, the first teacher I had. Do you want to talk about Mr. Dunlop? He was oh, yes. I went teachers. to school there and uh, I was very impressed with him because, uh, like, I, I found. Uh, like mathematics, I didn't have no trouble with math when I was in school, and I I got good marks and and but he astounded me when he could add uh, four and five figures wide in a whole row, and then he put the answer at the bottom without doing one row at a time. He'd go across the five numbers, and he'd somehow he'd be able to store that total in his mind and just keep on going down to the next row and the next row, and it was. And, uh, and and anyways, it turned out that uh, I thought he was quite a quite a fella, and uh, he ended up being the minister of education for Ontario. So when was that? Oh, I think that'd be back in about. It must have been in uh, the 1950s, early 50s or late 40s. stories of when you were going to school in Calendar, how far did you have to walk to school? It was a mile and a half or maybe a bit more and uh, most of the time uh, like I would uh, there was a couple other girls Laferrier girls that uh, were part way on that road and I'd go by and uh, they would all walk together two, there was two girls there. And, uh, did you see any animals? Oh I'd say a lot of animals. Uh, every now and then, I'd, there was either a deer or a, a wolf or uh, all the other kind of rodents like skunks and weasels and things like that. Bear? Yes, there was a lot of bear, but not during the day when I was going to school. Sometimes if I was uh, out for other things in school or coming back late from doing some little job somewhere, or, uh, I'd run into them on the road. Well, I just run a little faster. <laughs> <laughs> Did they run after you? No, but a few times I remember coming back on a bicycle in a lightning storm and uh, all of a sudden the lightning flashed and a bear would be right in front of me and I'd sort of brushed by him and uh, of course he'd, he'd go a little faster one way and I'd go a little faster the other way. And, and I remember one time hunting at the back of the farm and uh, for rabbits or anything like that and uh, I come across a big bee's nest that was all torn apart so I saw the direction where the bear was going so I decided to go around the other way and I walked right into him and uh, he was a very large bear and 
And all I had was the 22, and I was scared to lose sight of him, and I kept following him as he was walking away, but giving more distance between each other. And then finally he got out of sight. But I felt comfortable when I could see him all the time, but I was really wary of him when I couldn't see him. So, But anyways, it was an experience, and I was only young. I was maybe about 14, 15. So, and you would walk to school every day, winter, during the winter, fall, and spring? Yeah. Most of the time I'd do my memory work on the way to school. I'd never studied my memory work at home. But while I was walking to school, if I had a bunch of chapters, we were supposed to study memory work. That was a big thing then, you know. Like, but I would, uh, by the time I'd get to school, I'd know it. So, oh. it was a, a means of putting in the time, you know. Yeah. Um, what about you, when you were young, you used to walk across uh, Uncle Oliver's farm? Oliver oh, yeah. or Oliver? Oliver Dupuy. Okay, that would be Great Grandma's brother's farm. What happened then? It wasn't her brother, it was her brother-in-law's oh, farm. Right. And uh, he never did like us walking down through his, his farm, you know. But I had the job, and uh, but uh, Great Grandma resolved that, had a little talk with him. And, but uh, one time he, uh, I don't know if I should tell you this, yeah. uh, but uh, I was picking strawberries on his farm and, and in, the, in the field and because it, w it wasn't growing very good, I mean if the strawberries grows good, well that means that the field isn't growing good, you know. But the strawberries were in. Anyways, he come out and he wanted me to go and I, well grandma wanted me to pick strawberries, so I was picking strawberries. So he threw a stone at me, and I picked up a stone, threw it back, but I hit him. I was a little more accurate than him, I guess. And then, of course, he put the run on me then, and so I went and I told Grandma about it, and she went and gave him the devil. He got the worst of the bargain. <laughs> <laughs> and then, when were you in cadets? Was that during high school or after high school? I was... Uh, in, uh, in cadets and uh, mostly was after the regular hours, but I couldn't be very late because I had a lot of jobs to go to. So that was during high school then? Yeah, and uh, I was then, it wasn't only the cadets, but I was on the rifle team and uh, like, you know, in 1949, uh, 50, 51. How old were you? Well, I was like going like be 16, 17, 18 years of age, you know. And then, um, but uh, I placed the highest in the rifle team. And we came second in all the provinces in small bore shooting with, it was Army Rifles with a 22 bore. And we came second in all the provinces. We were like a half a point off. So, um, what year was this that you play, that your team placed second in Ontario? I think it was about 1950. And, uh, I, got, I was the only when I when I well when I re, uh, graduated from school I was the only one that was ever given a badge from the Canadian Army for having such a high average in uh, rifle shooting in the Army cadets. You were the only one that ever received a badge from the Canadian Army. And they they uh, when they called me up there I think I was I was happier to get that uh, diploma and the badge from the Army because. See, the thing is, I couldn't keep lots, a, lot, a lot of my stuff, my personal, was in a trunk, and wherever I went, I had to bring my trunk, because that's where my home was, was my, my trunk. 
So if I moved here or there, my trunk had to go with me. And that's where my stuff was, and that's where my home base was, because I never had parents to run home to or, or something like that. I never would did go to my mom or dad's place you know, mm -hmm. to stay there, you know. But uh, I really cherished that uh, badge from the Canadian Army, and then I got a, another award from Bisley. Billy Bisley Arms Commission, you know, like the uh, the small bore, they they make ammunition, and it, because it was the Bisley shoot, because on that shoot there, I had a hundred a hundred percent in my shooting, so like ten bullseyes in a row. Eh? Ten bullseyes in a row. Yeah. What year was that? Nineteen fifty. I think it was fifty. Or, yeah, it was nineteen fifty. So and then uh, that's the same year um, that uh, in uh, 51, I think it was, when the Queen came over. Yeah, it's because it was after that, in 50, early 51, because the Queen came over and she was walking down... Queen Elizabeth II? Queen Elizabeth II. Yeah. She was walking down Worthington Street there. That's the one I couldn't think of, was Worthington. But she was coming down and she was going along and seen inspecting all the cadets we were lining both sides of the road and she come over and she talked to me and then well she asked did you like being in cadets and i says yes and uh what do you do in there and i told him well sometimes we go to the base and we do exercise and, and that i was on the rifle team and she asked me oh, was i very good at rifle shooting i says i guess i got the best in the school so far so and then she, well, that's good. Keep up the good work. And then she went on her way. <laughs> you know? And then, of course, the other guys were all mad because how come she come and talk to me and not to them? Eh? Maybe because you were the most handsome. <laughs> Wasn't she single then? <laughs> oh, she was pretty young. She looked up pretty nice. <laughs> okay. And um, you were, uh, you also got a special gift from Great Grandma one birthday. What birthday was that? Well, I guess it was the uh, year uh, that winter. I guess I was 13, and January the 14th was, of course, my birthday. And she gave me birthday present. She gave me 50 cents, and it was just like giving me the world, you know, like because a lot of times you do work for anybody. If you got 15, 20 cents, uh, you were doing well, you know. And I remember going in North Bay at uh, Sid Tompkins' place to pile wood or or something like that, and. Uh, You'd pile a pile, and uh, if you've got 25 cents out of that, you're lucky. And and if it was piled too loose, he'd kick the pile over, and you had to do it over again. Things like that. You know. What did you do with the 50 cents from Great Grandma? Well, I walked. What year was that? Oh, yeah. Your 13th birthday. 13th, or yeah. 14th, something in that area. Okay. And, uh, but it sort of made an impression on me because. Well, I walked to Calvin, it was that mile and a half, and caught the bus, went to North Bay, went to a movie, and probably and bought a pop and had whatever, and was able to come back and still had a few cents left, out of 50 cents, so you can imagine the price of stuff then. Mm -hmm. Movies were probably 15 cents then, or, and uh, 12 cents or 15, something like that, but a penny meant a lot then, it seemed, you know. Yeah. And you also were, you had some uh, uh, special friends by the uh, name of Assets and Real. Oh yeah, out in the farm there, uh, some I used to go to school with until I switched, went to Calder, but they always remained my friends. There was 
Rael and Laurie Corrier and uh, Simone, well, I consider her my girlfriend at the time.